So welcome to the Compounding Center Connections, where we talk about different health conditions with our partner practitioners. I'm your host, Jay Gill, a compounding pharmacist from the Compounding Center in Leesburg, Virginia. At the Compounding Center, we collaborate with practitioners and create custom medications to help patients with their healthcare needs get better. The information discussed today is for informational purposes only, not for diagnosis. In today's episode, we have Dr. Megan Lee with us, and our discussion is going to be about migraine headaches in women and the hormone connection. So welcome, Dr. Lee. Hi. Could you please introduce yourself to the listeners and viewers? Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. Megan Lee. I run the Lee Clinic. We're in Winchester and in Leesburg. Um, and we it's where we practice functional medicine and anti-aging medicine and get to the root of issues instead of, you know, name, name a drug and or name a disease and you choose a drug kind of situation. So very excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you for joining us. So Let's get started. Um, so essentially, what are migraines? Uh, I mean, we know it's, a, it's beyond a common headache and women usually tend to get it. Yeah. So yeah, so you know, when we talk about you know, everything we're going to talk about today is migraines, <clears throat> but for some people that can just be headaches. Um, but migraines, you know, if you've had a migraine, you know that's a migraine. It's much different. It can be really pulsating. You can have abdominal pain, nausea, vomiting sensitivity to, to bright lights. I mean, I've had one and I, I never want one ever again. It was really, you know, you're in bed and you can't do much. So they're, you know, about 15%. I mean, last sort of a, you know, that I've read about people who have migraines. Um, and as far as the mechanism, we know it's some neurotransmitter just imbalance, some of it's vascular, ser we know serotonin plays a role. We obviously know, horm know hormones play a role. Um, but, you know, for the most part in, uh, you know, in your primary care practice or conventional medicine, it's, it's abortive therapy. You know, you wait until you get, um, you get that migraine, you take the triptan or you take Advil sometimes. And, you know, in the ER, we would give them, you know, opioids or, you know, all sorts of, you know, Xanax, all the things. And so today we can I'm excited to kind of dive through the different ways. And when someone comes into my office, you know, what am I thinking? You know, it is a little bit of detective work and, you know, one migraine isn't like, there's no one, you know, one, not everyone has the same sort of pathway to getting to a migraine and it's a little convoluted, but it's pretty rewarding. Uh, they can be pretty, you know, not easy, but there's a lot of people where they can get a lot of success with functional medicine. That's true. It's kind of like a detective work, like you mentioned. Yes, uh, not everybody. There are certain triggers to migraines, right? And mm -hmm. and uh, and hormone could be one of them. So, could you? Uh, what are some triggers to headaches? So let's start. So the hormone one is the one I see the most common, obviously, just with the nature of my practice. Um, and usually, it's it's the you know when it comes when it's hormonal, it's cyclical. They can tell me exactly when they happen. They happen three days before their period. They happen the day of their period, or they're really worsening, you know, some even worsening through menopause or um, uh, so ovulation. Sometimes they'll get um, ovulation headaches. 
And those, you know, usually they'll also have really bad PMS symptoms. They'll be bloated, they'll be tired, you know, they'll, it'll, I get a kind of a nice picture. So it's usually not too much guessing, but I can kind, I can tell. The reason, you know, for that aspect of it is, it really has to do with poor estrogen detoxification. So women were blessed with this, you know, your body thinks you're going to get pregnant every month. And then it doesn't if you're cycling normally. So when you ovulate, your estrogen goes up and then your estrogen, you know, rises a little bit and progesterone rises with it. And, you know, when your body's like, Oh, I'm not pregnant, you have to clear that estrogen. And so some people either have genetic variations and they can't clear that estrogen well enough or dietary stress. And we'll go into those things, but when that imbalance of estrogen, when estrogen is higher than progesterone, that's when you get to the, you know, what we think is either like serotonin imbalances, or some people think that that extra estrogen makes your uh, nerves a little more sensitive to pain pathways. So, you know, things that, you know, I talk about with, if, if it's that, you know, we talk about ways to improve our estrogen detoxification and, and how do you do that? And, you know, make checking B vitamins and, you know, I'll go through sort of my like, you know, first, you know, pass of people who come in, but in a general kind of overview is, you know, B vitamins aid in estrogen detoxification, fiber, uh, you know, veggie, you know, just veggies in general, you know, cruciferous veggies, they aid in that sort of the removal, you know, exercise, you know, folate, there's a lot of different things. And there's, you know, um, vitamins I'll recommend like endothricarbonol is something I'll usually use. Um, but another aspect of that is, you know, uh, xenoestrogens, parabens, phthalates, BPAs, dioxins. Those are fake estrogen. Well, they're not fake estrogens. You won't, this won't show up on your blood work, but they can sit in that estrogen receptor and kind of do the same things, but nothing, none of the benefits. So, you know, when it comes to the hormones, I think of poor estrogen detoxification, um, and then, or, and then the, and usually in combo with low progesterone, um, and that low progesterone progesterone falls a lot faster, um, than estrogen. And it's, you know, that goes down with stress, low thyroid, you can get progesterone resistance, um, you know, high sugar diets, um, low vitamins, low vitamin C and that progesterone, um, either the fact that it's lower or the withdrawal. Sometimes I have people, it's just the, the Delta, the change from being high to being low. And it's, that's when they, they notice it. So we, you know, either we'll do progesterone, we'll do bioidentical progesterone for those women. Um, and this is like my main person that I see, like, this is, this is my bread and butter where I see a lot of women who are just low progesterone. Um, and, the, um, so that you can do it, you know, bioidentical pill, you know, compounded, or you can do a cream topically, you know, during that last phase of their cycle, just to help bump them up, but also make sure they're clearing their estrogen. Um, with the progesterone, I had once had a patient who she kept going to the ER. They kept thinking that she was having strokes. Um, she was in, she was in Winchester. She, she kept that they, you know, she would get weakness on her left arm, really tired, couldn't see, almost went like blind a few times. And that's actually called Todd's paralysis. Um, and then one of the ER nurses knew about us like, you need to see the Lee clinic. And they <laughs> thought it was, they thought it was Lyme. And so I tested for Lyme. 
it's progesterone. And so she takes yeah. a little bit of progesterone. She has to do it every day. Um, and now she gets a little headache here and there, but she was just going to the ER multiple times. Wow. So, and I've had patients who are on like disability, you know, for these migraines and they can really, you know, just, you know, ruin, you know, your work, you know, productivity, all that stuff. So those, you know, that's something that's really easy to do. You know, progesterone binds to GABA. It's our like relaxation, our Xanax, um, mineral. So, yeah. And so that's nice. And then another aspect that I forgot to mention about with the estrogen, which is a little bit, and we'll get to the gut when we get to the gut, when it comes to that for the, the migraines is elevated estrogen inhibits an enzyme called DAO. And DAO is an enzyme in our gut that clears histamine. So I'll talk about kind of the histamine aspect in a little bit, but I think that, you know, it's not all just one thing, I, you know, you know, a bad diet can either be the allergy to it or, you know, poor hormones. So that's what I really see when it comes to so the yeah, and the hormones. We, yeah. We have excess estrogen that could cause it perhaps low, um, or could be low progesterone. How about any kind of other, um, uh, uh, other, you know, such as magnesium or any other minerals or something that could also lead or trigger uh, to headaches? Yeah. And it's magnesium is the big one. You know, it's a natural calcium channel blocker. They'll use verapamil, which is a calcium channel blocker for some people with migraines. There's some people, you know, who think it has to do with the, you know, the calcium channels affect the glutamate activity, which excess glutamate can cause the, you know, the neuronal excitement and the headache. Um, but, you know, for everybody who has a headache, I put them on magnesium glycinate uh, mm-hmm. daily and, and, you know, it can be 200 to 800 milligrams, you know, the overall amount of magnesium in the soil has really dropped. And so that's, you know, you can get, you know, magnesium from foods from like, you know, leafy greens and, you know, you know, avocados and banana, you know, you can get those in there, but our soil has changed. And so that's another aspect of all of this, as far as um, when it comes to headaches is, you know, nutrition and, you know, you do have to supplement, but magnesium is a great one. It's just our all over relaxer. Gotcha. How about some food uh, triggers or food allergies that they could trigger that too. Yeah. And so, yeah, exactly. And so when it comes, you know, the gut brain connection, you know, everyone's, you know, we're slowly, you know, I think functional medicine and anti, we were, we were on that and now people are, you know, catching on a little bit, but it is your second brain. And so there's, I like to classify it in two to three different ways. And one way is just triggers. So when I talk about triggers, those are like specific migraine triggers. And so um, when I mean that, I mean chemicals or foods that have certain amino acids that can affect either histamine or tyramine that for some people can be sensitive. And that's like chocolate, uh, cheeses, artificial sweeteners, sometimes sugar, um, just in general. Uh, like coffee, MSG, sulfites, you know, uh, like aged and preserved old meats, like those can really, or sometimes even people with citrus, but those are what I consider, like when I'm looking at one kind of category, like that's a trigger. Um, And the sugar one is interesting because, you know, they, and they found this with like Alzheimer's and, you know, Parkinson's is 
when you have like these fluctuations in insulin, it can cause neuronal damage. And so that's part of what they think, you know, blood pressure sugar will go high and then go low. And that can just cause, you know, part of that neurotransmitter imbalances. Um, but when I talk about allergies, like gluten, dairy, eggs, yeah. soy, you know, or something that's specific to you, that's a different, that's like a, you know, 70% of your immune systems in your gut, you take in 80, you know, 80 to 90% of your toxins through your mouth, 80% of your serotonin's in your gut. So when you have an allergy to something or a sensitivity, I'm not talking, you know, peanut shellfish, you know, throat closes up kind of thing. I'm talking about more of the, you know, the low burning sensitivities, those just cause inflammation and, um, can trigger downstream effects. And that inflammation then, you know, lead to, um, brain inflammation. And for some people, you know, it's, you know, we don't have a single gene for migraines, but for some people they, so I usually take everybody off gluten. That's my first one. I say, you know, 30 days, no gluten, see, you know, see how we see how it goes. Like, you know, there's, you know, there's other foods to do. Um, but, and, you know, if you have food allergies, then it'll potentiate a poor microbiome as well. And so that's the next aspect, you know, when it comes to the gut and the histamine and inflammation, you know, those things can trigger migraines or just headaches and as well. Now, could you, since we're talking about, um, food triggers, food allergies in the gut, um, you touched upon an enzyme called DAO. Can you explain what is its purpose um, a little bit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So DAO, they actually did, a, uh, they've done studies on this, but DAO is diamine oxidase. You can actually measure those levels in your blood. I don't usually do it. I just do a trial. I mean, just in case insurance isn't going to cover and I don't want people stuck with the bill, but diamine oxidase. So that's the, the enzyme that either a drops off, you know, once your estrogen is a little higher than your progesterone, cause it inhibits that. Or if you have significant gut inflammation, DAO will drop, or if you have low copper levels, you know, copper makes DAO. And so that is an enzyme that clears your histamine. And so histamine you take in from foods, histamine foods are the good ones. It's like aged cheeses, it's beer, it's leftovers, it's, you know, dried fruit, it's coffee, you know, those things, you know, that's where have higher amounts of histamine. And so if you have a poor metabolizer of histamine or you have histamine intolerance, you know, that's another thing I have people do is reduce their histamine intake and do a low histamine diet and see how that does headache wise. Um, but DAO is something that you can replace. And so they've done studies where, you know, you take a, you take DAO, it's porcine derived. It's, okay. you know, it's an enzyme and you take it before each meal. Um, you know, you'd have to, you know, I would ha I have them do it, you know, around that time that headaches are coming, if they know right when it's coming and, you know, they've had, you know, they do have some significant reduction in the pain or the frequency. And that's how I know that like their gut is the issue. And I really need to address their gut, whether that's with, you know, food, you know, the food allergy testing or stool testing, um, breath testing and, you know, antibiotic, you know, rifaximin or whatever, if they have SIBO. And so that is, where, you know, it's all nice and complicated, but that's the other aspect <laughs> yeah. of it all. <laughs> no. 
just not so simple. No. Well, I tell you what, um, would you like to discuss some, perhaps some of your success stories? So this way a listener can kind of get the whole picture and, um, and see how you actually, um, like you said, you know, you have to be a little bit of a detective, how you got to the root cause. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I, that one woman was, you know, she was probably one of more, more, more severe. I thought, you know, she thought she was having strokes. Um, another woman, you know, as far as the hormone relation, you know, was on disability for a really long time and, you know, just, you know, couldn't even work and fixed her headaches. And now, now she could work as far as the gut for, I had one guy who, and so when it's, when they're men, I'm, I'm a little bit more like, I think, um, and when they've had them, when they were really young, I think mitochondrial, and I think, you know, cause your mitochondria is your, your powerhouse of the cell. And if they have any dysfunction, that'll obviously affect, you know, your, neuro, your, um, neurotransmitter balances. So I had one guy and he, you know, had, he came to me for headaches. He'd been, tr- you know, he did a little bit of research. I think he would, he went, had gone paleo, um, but, you know, still having some, you know, he was having these headaches and he was having digestive issues at the same time. And so not only that he did he not have cycles, but I, you know, I, if he was a female and he, he, she, you know, he or she came and, you know, had headaches and had no correlation to the cycles, I, I kind of go to the gut first. And so we put him on a low histamine diet and we removed gluten and dairy. Those were our biggest ones. And then um, he wanted, you know, his diet was pretty good though. He's pretty paleo. And I just told him, we really got to pull it and no gluten at all. Cause if you still have some of those circulating antibodies, you know, we got, we've got to pull those. We added three of my favorite kinds of probiotics. So three strong probiotics and the DAO. Um, and you know, he improved a little bit more, um, you know, better than he was maybe, you know, two or three headache, you know, per month. Um, but then the last thing I did besides like the magnesium was riboflavin. And so riboflavin has been, you know, shown to reduce migraines. You have to take it daily. It's vitamin B2 at about 400 milligrams, um, a day. Um, you know, it's, it's not one of those B vitamins that can get too toxic. So I feel pretty safe in, you know, in recommending that for a lot of my patients right out the bat. Um, you know, I think that has, you know, that upregulates their mitochondrial function. It feeds the mitochondria to help them function better. Some people also think it clears histamine a little bit. So for him, you know, the probiotics, the DAO, magnesium, the riboflavin, and then also CoQ10, which is another mitochondrial helper. That was, that was our kicker there. Um, he has to stay off gluten. Now we kind of found that gluten is one of his big triggers. He was kind of Mm. in and out of it a little bit. Um, but then, you know, digestive issues went away and, you know, just felt better overall. Like it was a, you know, migraine is, you know, it's a, it's a symptom of, you know, something else. And so, you know, the gut dysfunction was this big thing and other, other things sort of cleared up. And so it's just like most of the things that we do in our practice and what, you know, other functional medicine doctors do is just sort of get everybody back into balance. Like that's our first step is like, if your gut's bad, let's fix your gut, let's get your vitamins right. And so, you know, that, you know, other things fall into place. And so it's a less, uh, tweaking, now, you know, tweaking to do. Now, can you share with us your three favorite probiotics? Because I know the listeners are going to want to know that. 
<laughs> yeah. So yeah. So there's three types of probiotics that you know. There's three categories of probiotics. There are your Lactobacillus, Bifidobacterium. Those are the kinds you see at the grocery store, the refrigerated. Um, you know, I like anything pure encapsulations make. I usually recommend their 50 billion one. Um, okay. So that's category one. And so that's one that like a lot of people know. And they're like, I take a probiotic, my gut's fine. You know, everything's fine. Or or I take a probiotic, and you know that one never helps me. Um, but there are, you know, the other two are spore based. So, or a soil based and they're bacillus based. They survive the stomach acid. They're an ancient strain and they really re-influence the microbiome a little bit better and clear out some bad guys. They're very strong. So even those who are probiotic, you know, aware, and they remember taking their probiotics in the beginning and they're like, Oh, I had, you know, some stomach upset. The spore is a rude awakening, but it does, you know, do very well as far as, you know, reducing, you know, they actually, that this is the only one that's actually been proven to reduce circulating lipopolysaccharides. And those are the endotoxins on bacteria that can leak through, you know, basically showing that it can heal leaky gut or increased intestinal permeability. Um, and the third kind is a Saccharomyces boulardii, which is a yeast-based um, oh, so sorry for the spore. I like Megaspore and Just Thrive. Those are the two companies that I like for the spore base. Okay. And then the third type is Saccharomyces boulardii and Pure Encapsulations makes a great one. And so I just usually recommend that one. Um, but if they find another good brand, but it's those three types, I do all three for three months and then with enzyme support and then reevaluate and then along with dietary changes and lifestyle changes because you know, your lifestyle does play a role in it as well. Great. So um, now, are there any other, let's say, behavioral approaches that, you know, we sometimes, uh, you know, also recommend our patients to mm -hmm. help to reduce, uh, you know, the number of migraines they get? Yeah. So the big, you know, behavioral or lifestyle triggers that I see are, you know, low sleep, not get enough sleep. They'll like mm. wake up with a migraine, um, stress. Uh, yeah. everyone has a different resiliency, resiliency to stress, um, or chronic stress. Um, that's a big one. Dehydration, um, is another one in, in hunger too. Um, mine, when I had that one headache that was brought on by heat, I ran outside in the summer in Virginia and, you know, had a, I saw the aura, I got the squiggly lines and okay. my dad, Dr. Lee was like, put some progesterone on, <laughs> take some magnesium. And I was like, okay, dad, dad, you're right. So, so yeah, so that, I mean, those, you know, sleep and diet, you know, as far as behavior, I do talk about that aspect and making sure they're getting good exercise, have a good circadian rhythm and stress management, breathing, meditation, like, like taking deep breaths, like people don't do that anymore. So like, you know, you know, telling them to bring calm, calm down and learn how to bring things back. Um, that can be helpful as well. Okay. So if a patient, um, uh you know, um, came to your practice, um, could you kind of give us a snapshot of what perhaps, uh, you do, what kind of test, or do you do a hormone panel, um, you know, um, ask about symptoms and things like that? Like walk us through what would, how do you kind of troubleshoot? Yeah. So first visit, you know, you come in, it's an hour long with me. You know, we talk about 
you know, I, I get into the nitty gritty about your whole life, you know, triggers, you know, when did these start, you know, if this is our main concern, if there's other stuff, um, depending on what we talk about, if you're leaning, if you're telling me they're cyclical hormones, you know, I usually recommend a, sal a salivary hormone test. And so, you know, I test hormones in the saliva just because okay. I can get the free levels. You know, there's no free estradiol or free progesterone um, in the blood. And, you know, the ranges are very big. They're kind of big ballpark ranges. I can't see if you're overtly uh, overdosed. And I have you do that a week before your period. So I can see what your estrogen is in relation to your progesterone, right when your progesterone is supposed to be the highest and your estrogen should be a little bit lower. So usually I see it swapped. Like mm -hmm. that's how I know. So, and if someone's telling me that, you know, stress really brings it on, they've had a, you know, a lot of trauma, a lot of stress, then I do recommend adding, you know, the cortisol testing throughout that. Oh. So, you know, test four times during the day so I can see, you know, what their cortisol looks like. Is their cortisol sky high or is it really low? Do I need to build them up? Do I need to balance them? Like, what does their stress response look like? So if I'm going down that way, everybody, I usually do, you know, a blood work. I give you a lab work form that you take to LabCorp, Sunrise, Quest, full of thyroid. So thyroid also is an important, you know, regulation of, you know, energy, you know, your stress response, progesterone resistance, histamine balance. So it's just a, a basic, you know, one that I'll check, check your, um, your thyroid and then some vitamins in the blood work, like magnesium, selenium, zinc, B6, B12, all important for estrogen metabolism and hormone utilization. Um, but if someone comes to me and it's, and it's just all gut, like it's, you know, I you can, it's no rhyme or reason, other food allergies, then I'll, and I'll do the blood work as well, just to make sure I'm not missing any of that stuff. Um, and then either we'll talk about it. And if, I think that there's an infectious agent or something, I'll do stool testing because I can't, you know, I have to know what I'm working with. If it's just general things, you know, we can start with those probiotics and general gut and diet changes. I usually always put people on magnesium, riboflavin, CoQ10, and usually an omega-3 just to start before I get their blood work. Maybe I'll have them like not stop, start the magnesium till I get their blood work. But the other things omega-3s are just great anti-inflammatory, let our, our neurons, you know, speak appropriately to each other. Um, but that's, you know, and then obviously I talk about diet and then when you get all that, you know, depending on what we decide to do, either we'll check back in, in a month or two months or whenever those labs come in and then sit down and go line by line and really parse apart what I see and then set you up, whether it's with bioidentical progesterone um, or, you know, things to help men metabolize your estrogen or, you know, more gut utilization or, or vitamins. It really depends. So I'm hearing uh, more and more, and I think you touched upon this, that you also do recommend folic acid. Um, and if you want, and I was going to ask you, you know, folic acid, and now you can actually do a genetic test to see if you're actually converting the folic acid. Could you touch upon that a little bit? Yeah. So when it comes to folate and methylfolate, so folate, um, you know, is vitamin B9. We bring that in and then we methylate it to be utilized. Methylation is some, a process that happens all throughout our body, turns things on and off. Some people have genetic variations called the MTHFR. I'm sure a lot of people have heard of that one, um, you know, different types of that variation. And so there's some people that believe that, you know, if you have that variation, you shouldn't take folic acid. 
I generally just recommend methylfolate for everybody because it's just more better assimilated. Like why not take the activated form? Yeah. Methylfolate can clear histamine and also is, you know, an important methylation is an important aspect of detoxification and immune system balance and energy and neurotransmitter balances. So we need methylation to make some of our, our, our neurotransmitters. So, uh, it actually works as like a selective, uh, an SSRI or an antidepressant, the methylation keeps serotonin in the synapse. So, you know, the tryptams work on serotonin. Um, so that's sort of, I usually check their homocysteine um, and I want their homocysteine in the blood between four and nine. That's the best way. Genetic testing with MTHFR is not something I dive right to. It can be expensive. Um, and a homocysteine gives me all I need to know. It, homocysteine is high when you don't have enough methylation. Um, and it gives me a better idea. Uh, but, you know, I need to know if they need more B12 or folate in that respect. But there's like also, you know, some glutathione very genetic uh, mutations. People might be a little more prone to migraines and also the NOS3 gene. But I think methylfolate is, is the, the one I focus on the most. Gotcha. So it sounds like in your practice, are there any patients that even use triptans or SSRIs, um, you know, any of those prescription uh, that are medicines that are strictly approved for migraines? I have a few, and I think it really has to come down to some dietary. I, I don't, I think that they, I mean, they, that's totally their choice. I mean, I, it's totally fine. They are some, I have on Amavig, which is the injection. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, and even though some of the things I've recommend, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm just, I give my recommendations and I leave, but Amavig and I have a few, but they don't use them clear, you know, at least, you know, not at all as much as they used to definitely. Um, but some are harder cases, whether stress is on, you know, hard to control. That's, I yeah. see that sometimes are like, they have to get up at 4am for work. And so that's their abortive, you know, use and the progesterone helps, but, you know, sometimes it's still hard to figure out or, you know, control that with life, uh, occurrences. Gotcha. How about, um, do you use, do you recommend any other modalities like acupuncture or anything like that for patients? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. If they, you know, I'm, I, acupuncture is great all for that. If they're willing, you know, some people don't want to lay down and have needles in them, but, um, acupuncture is great, um, for some people and then Botox too, which you, um, okay. they, yeah, they put all through either the head or in the neck, which helps kind of paralyze those muscles if they're playing a role in spasming. Um, but, and I, and I don't have any issue with that at all. If that really helps too. you know, Botox stays kind of where it is. So not too gotcha. concerned about that, but those are the other ones. Gosh, overall, um, tons of information that you've shared and obviously not one thing fits everybody. Um, uh, so Dr. Lee, how would someone reach out to you, um, you know, just to make an appointment and to get to see you? So our, our, the email is probably the easiest way, um, or you can go to our website and scroll to the bottom and there's a form. The website is just theleeclinic.com and you just scroll to the bottom, there's a form submission and it goes right to our email or you can email contact 
C-O-N-T-A-C-T at theleeclinic.com and it's L-E-E clinic. Um, and then our phone number is 540-45, uh, sorry, I was 540-542-1700. Oof. <laughs> Friday. Well, uh, I know, I know. Um, and thank you for joining us uh, and having the discussion with us. Uh, tons of valuable information you've shared. Uh, I'll make sure that the contact information is uh, uh, listed in the description of the, uh, of the episode. And uh, thank you everyone for tuning into the Compounding Center Connections podcast. Uh, we hope you found the information presented today very helpful to you or someone you know. If you have any comments or questions, please feel free to reach out to me at j at compoundingcenter.com. Thank you. All righty. Thank you. Thanks for having me.